You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Potter. Hey there. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Laugh Button Network, thelaughbutton.com. Today's guest is originally from Glassboro, New Jersey, is the editor-in-chief at the Laugh Button, www.thelaughbutton.com. He oversees it all, editorial, produced, live events, podcast web series etc so basically he's in charge as is it is his media empire so sit back and enjoy as neil peppers him with an hour of nonsensical questions trying to answer the his favorite one how does neil potter get rich from podcasting once a week it's our boss <laughs> matt kleinschmidt wow there's there's a lot to unpack there uh, <laughs> that's our opening <laughs> It was a fantastic opening. Thank a you. lot to unpack. Uh, I, I guess I am technically your boss, but it's very weird to say that because you've been around much longer than I have uh, in this entity. But but yeah, I do. I run, I run the laugh button. And, there you uh, go. You run the laugh button. We like have. I do. We had Sprance on when he ran the thing, but we'll get to the laugh button in a minute. Let's talk about Mac, okay. Matt okay. Kleinschmidt. We got to get. We got to give our fans or fan whoever we have out there one uh what some background on you where are you originally from you're from glassboro new jersey but you seem yes. to be one of those people who's been born raised and never moved out of new jersey am i right <laughs> that's 100 correct uh and yeah I'm, I'm the jersey kid i was like i said born in, born in south jersey uh currently live in central jersey you know and that's even a, a contentious argument when you're talking about jersey people like does central new jersey even exist um <laughs> i live i live currently i would school of Rutgers so I live in like the, the greater Rutgers area I live right down between Rutgers and Princeton and uh, the Laugh Button headquarters is stationed in Weehawken New Jersey so basically uh. all different parts of Jersey you know from the from the northern part to the southern part I've uh, I've seen most of it all right um and so yeah Rutgers uh your degree was what out of there from I, I studied journalism and mass media um, that was like, gosh, we're talking 20 years ago at this point. So I think that that title has actually morphed into something more like appropriate for the digital age at this point. Mm-hmm. But in general, learning about journalism, learning about how the media works, learning about how marketing works and all this kind of stuff, too. So uh, because of the, the the field I ended up going into actually kind of really lent itself well to my degree. And uh, I, I just not a journalist because journalists make no money nowadays. So <laughs> instead of just running a website that was talking about comedy, I had to expand <laughs> well yes let me ask you something about the stress factory yeah. 20 years ago i yeah. would have almost still been there uh doing the open mics at the stress factory because mm. that's where I, that was my home club i was yeah. living in north brunswick at the time did you go to the stress factory since you're such a big oh, comedy absolutely. fan and see those wednesdays thursday friday like what were you doing yeah i i, I definitely spent many time at the stress factory uh you know and for people that don't know the stress factory it's a total like jersey place like the crowds are unruly they're 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 assholes but they're like the lovable assholes who say things like hey man i was helping out the show by heckling yes you know those types of people you know and i'm sure you guys as comics know those types of people you know but like it's like no asshole sit down no one's here you yap about whatever the hell it is yeah that Um, was that was my home club (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and uh you know vinnie brand the owner of the stress factory you know you know bless his heart I've seen that man do more time in front of a headliner than the headliner themselves. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> love him to love him to death. And he's a very, he's a character. Uh, yeah. and he's, he's been very great to the comics, but like, he's also put himself on bills where he's like, Oh, I'm booking this show. And I'm, I'm giving myself some time before like, you know, giant national touring comic. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, it's classic had, had, it is classic Vinny. I, I, I love the guy to death. And I can tell you Vinny brand stories that I probably shouldn't tell on the air. So I won't, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I've definitely, I've definitely seen him, you know, I definitely seen him in great club, great people at the staff at the, at the fresh factory. And, uh, right now they're, 
from what I, it's been a, a beat since I've been there too, but uh, right now he's doing because of COVID. He's got a giant tent set up in that little courtyard area in front of uh, in front of the, the club, and he's, they're doing shows out there. And he's still getting the great action. I want to say like Norman and Okerson and uh, the Stefanos, they all just kind of came through there. So like, yeah, he's still he's still booking a lot of those uh, those great acts and those, those next that next wave. You know? Oh yeah, so, he's definitely were you, he's cranking them out. Were you doing comedy? No, I, I just yeah, just for clarification, I consider myself a, a somewhat funny person, but I am not a comic. I, I stand up. Uh, but you ran. I, I you tried it. Uh, I you know what? I have not because I've never had the balls to. Uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those. I respect the art form probably more than uh, probably too much to, to kind of like mentally kind of like want to be able to do that. I also. I also had a relatively decent childhood, which I don't think helps to be a comic. <laughs> That's not <laughs> um, true, you know. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I I love comedy, and I've been I've been a fan of comedy and music probably as long as I can remember. You know, whether it be I, the, the earliest comedy I remember watching weren't it wasn't like Carlin or Pryor or those guys. It was like the MTV half comedy hour that Mario Joyner hosted back in like what, the late eighties, early nineties, or like. Yeah. There's HBO specials like Robert Klein, who just always did an HBO special. Yeah. I watched those things as a young kid, never understood half of what was going on because of Robert <laughs> Klein, you know. But like, and like, and Sinbad, I just remember watching Sinbad HBO specials at a super young age, just being like, what the hell is this, you know? Because like, Sinbad's just one of those comics that I, I don't know if he gets a lot of like love and respect today, but like, that guy dominated like just like my childhood for comics right. because like he was just always on TV, you know? Oh, yeah. And he he did a lot of that stuff. And, um, yeah. Yeah, that that was that was it was just you just after HBO and those things really started cooking on the special. So that was like a big uh-huh. thing if you got an HBO special. But you yeah. you seem like a guy who was from a different era than I am. Um, like we consumed a lot of television. It was like a golden age of television. Oh, yeah. But this next wave, it seems like you consume media like as a child. Yeah. Like, is yeah. that was that was you comics books music tv mm-hmm. you did a lot of that huh yeah i mean like you know i i have i have i'm staring at long boxes right now that i that are currently sitting in my nurse my kid's nursery of, of just comic books i collect as a kid and and I, I i need to i need to stress this i read comic books when it was not fucking cool like i got no props i got no respect from women about it I, there were no giant tvs you know don't no giant movie franchises titans made about it like i was i was an art kid like i was president of the art honest uh, uh, man let me just stop you real quick yeah. i'm just gonna tell you right now i never will think that's cool even okay. now, just FYI. <laughs> well, okay. Well, there, well, clearly people do because it's a billion. Yeah, billion now it is. Now it is. Like, it was not cool, man. I would like walk. I would ride my bike. You know, a little BMX. You know, like literally, like fixed wheel, not like a, not like a, a comp. You know, a, a, a geared bike to the local comic book shop, and I'd read like Punisher Warzone magazines. And I'd buy this, <laughs> the Amazing Spider Man's because Todd McFarlane was drawing the cover, and I was, a, I was, because I was, a, I was into art. I would buy the comic books that had like cool artists like, you know, Jim Lee and Joe Quesada Jr. and Todd McFarlane. And then like, you know, I remember it being a big deal when Rob, Rob Liefeld started drawing like X-Men and X-Force and everyone would make fun of that dude because like his proportionality of like comic books were like ridiculous. And then like he started Image Comics and I was like, oh, let's go all the first Spawn and Savage Dragons. I was into all that kind of stuff. Wow. And then, did like, you ever yeah. think when you were into all that, did you ever see, I mean, did you ever think that's what would happen to it all like it would literally oh, take those no. blow up I know. no not at all i mean like the, the coolest thing the coolest thing we ever had around that time was like when tim burton's batman first came out right. up until then it was like you had the superman's the richard donner ones from what the 70s right but like you you didn't have anything cool like there, there was like a, this there's terrible fantastic four movie made in the 90s that was like <laughs> it was literally made so they could keep the rights the movie could keep the rights to it but the movie never saw the light of day uh <laughs> and, you know and then there's like the shitty captain america from the 90s and like it was a big deal when like spawn got made but it was a movie for kids and i was probably like 16 17 when spawn got made and i was just like ah so like 
Yeah, like it was it was a terrible time, but like I was uh, but I was just hugely into the art of comic books and I read a lot of comic books because of it and The Punisher was one of my guys and and like I said like Spider-Man and like the, anything McFarlane kind of touched I was super into cuz this was before like Tom McFarlane even designed uh toys. Um so yeah, I consumed I consumed the shit out of media, but like I didn't consume it like oh my god, come home, turn on the TV, watch MTV for 5 hours. Even though I did have those days, I was just always present and had this ability to just kind of remember shit so like i would watch like a jonathan panette on hbo sketch mm-hmm. uh, a bit he'd do a bit and like i would remember it and i would recite it to death to anyone that would listen to but it. at the, at the, at the time at, like like there was this whole bit where he did the four hours for bread right talking about russian socialism i think it was or russian <laughs> communism it is whole bit of people waiting four hours for bread and I, I just thought that was the funniest fucking thing i didn't really fully <laughs> understand the politics behind it but i recited that bit Ad nauseum to family and friends. <laughs> so wait, so, so like, you okay? Yeah. You were that kid, but at the same time, you're at the same time you're a music guy too. You have a huge oh, music dude. collection. Yes, totally. So, yeah, yeah. I, I sent you this photo of my music collection. And it, yeah, it's like I've I've been collecting music since you know probably since I was probably 11, 12. And, you know, it's kind of led me to some really interesting places. My current job now is kind of how I got it. I ran a college radio station because of it. But, like, just started listening to music and always been a fan and literally just anything, like anything good. Like, didn't matter the genre, didn't matter whatever. Got into 90s alternative because, like, you know, Ronald was breaking around the time I was a teenager, an early teenager. So that was kind of like, you know, to, to date me, that's kind of like where my time frame, <laughs> my, my formative years. But, like, Classic rock, Jimi Hendrix, Steve Ray Vaughan, Eric Clapton. I loved all those guys, like the guitar gods. And they, yeah. they introduced me to like Albert King and B.B. King and all the, the bluesmen and Robert Johnson and all those guys. So like I have a huge, huge affinity for blues and all those types of guys. And then 90s alternative, obviously, you know, I learned I, that kind of that morphed into like – I went to college. I was like a punk and hardcore kid. It was like, oh, well, now the current punk rock, but like the punk of like yesteryear, whether it be like, yeah, the Sex Pistols were cool, but the Ramones and Johnny Thunders were even cooler to me. You know? All right, so, like, so uh, wait a sec. So okay, yeah. so radio station. I got there. this. There's, there's, a, there's yeah. Talk about a lot to unpack. I mean, there's radio yeah, station you, stuff, the comic books. We'll get back to the comic stuff in the third corner. Okay. The were um, you coming into Were you coming into New York City a lot then? No, um, it, it, well, yes and no. In college, yes, because I was going into the city, and, and like my haunts were like the Bowery Ballroom. Mm. Uh, you know, the, it was like it was like the, uh, you know the, the Mercury Lounge. Those such of clubs were like smaller clubs. But, but you know, every once in a while, I go see a club in like you know New York and uh, at the Garden or something like that. Uh, so, but, but you know, New Brunswick, where I went to college, had a has a huge and still does has a huge underground basement show scene, and uh, so like. I saw early, early a lot of like punk and hardcore acts that like people like today, like the Promise Ring and, and you know, well, Jimmy World wasn't a punk band, but they, they did a lot of touring at the drive and came through town. Uh, Thursday, one of you know the great you know New New Jersey punk and emo bands of the of the early aughts, they they kind of were born from this scene. So I saw a lot of those types of shows. You know? did, did, who um, give me like, give me two shows that you saw where you know we don't, these these corners go fast, Matt. We we, yeah, we yeah, so yeah. give me two shows you saw as a kid growing up that when you came into the it could be at the ballroom, whatever. That still resonate yeah. for you today. And give me one music one and one comedy one. That one music one and one comedy one. Damn. Okay, so uh, music will probably be uh, Wayne Firehouse, Wayne, New Jersey. I think it was at the drive-in, Jimmy World, and I want to say the Promise Ring was on that band. Was on that bill. And then uh, an addendum to that was probably like the Dismembered Plan was a band from DC. I loved. I saw those guys at like literally like in like Princeton fraternity houses types of scenarios. <laughs> so those, those are like cool like bands I saw. Then as far as comedy shit, uh, I saw early, I saw Mitch Hedberg, you know, before like he became Mitch Hedberg. He was doing, he was doing, uh, it was a New York comedy festival. I want to say it was comics he performed at. Mm, um, maybe. But I also did, I, I also saw an early lineup where it was like, it was like, it was Aziz Ansari, John Mulaney, Anthony Jeselnik, mm-hmm. um, and I actually, you know, uh, we. Funny enough, Anthony Jesel, Jeselnik's album taping, you know, happened to be at that just by, by pure coincidence. So, uh, his first album taping. Right. So maybe that was one that stuck with me too. So like, yeah, like I mean, that's kind of like the early stuff. I like, I was old enough to see in New York, but I, I didn't. I was really kind of more like the, oh, this is the cool next upcoming kind of cool band. But like, you know, I get respect for respect is due for these larger acts. But like, some seeing some of those cool bands break it and make it huge were like really big for me. So like, I, I loved a lot of that kind of stuff. That's too. cool. And All I, right, I, and I. 
Yeah. With the minute we have left in the corner about you, this is yeah. this is fascinating to be honest with you. Um, I I want to you know how did you actually morphed all this knowledge and love? It sounds like a great love of the both professions there or 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 this media thing into uh, a full career. And um, so are you where you want to be professionally, like running uh, kind of a media outlet um, or is yeah. there more to do? I, I didn't expect to it. I didn't expect to do it, but like I love it, you know, like and, and you got to love this shit to do it because right. like, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work. But uh, right. but yeah, I mean, like I, I think I think what kind of led me to, to, to all of it was just like my ability, my love for the arts and the performing just kind of like all kind of morphed into like what what we're doing now with the laugh button and, and like. The Left One's parent company is an agency called The Syndicate, which is who actually employs me. And I started there promoting records to radio stations, college radio stations, out of college, promoting the records to college radio kids and saying, hey, this is what's cool about this band. This is what's cool about that band. And then uh, the love for comedy came into, oh, we have this opportunity to really promote artists and, and comedians that no one's talking about right now. Like This was before websites like The Left Button really kind of – started hitting their stride and like main quote unquote mainstream entertainment sites like the AV club and pitchfork weren't talking about comedy. So I just took, had an opportunity to start doing comedy press and I was like, I'll want to fucking run with this. And I started pitching Mark Marin and Louis CK to those guys. Cause I was working with comedy central records back in the day. And these are talking like their first releases on those record labels before anyone knew who these guys were. And it's like, okay, cool. You guys want to talk about these guys? And then that kind of blossomed and snowballed into more. And then the laugh button kind of was born out of and, All right, let's. You know, it's just, great. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I'm going to go to the second corner okay. right now. Boom. Okay. So the le- you get this profession going, and it's it basically starts with Comedy Central Records, and now you're you come in as a a marketing. Guy. Let me let me just read what I have on the laugh button. You tell me that this started okay. 15 years ago as comedy news, interviews, reviews website, and since has evolved to more of a media network brand with live shows, a record label, and the acquisition of obviously the Riotcast Network in 2019 to add podcasting. So it's this, it's this pretty. Um, it's ba- it started as a comedy news network. Right. Yes. And that's this yes. is just it's your network. It's just you at that point, And then it's grown. I mean, are you yeah, well, this is just your love I, of it? What it was started, it was basically it was an acquisition that was uh, done by the syndicate. We okay. basically were looking to start something. We, there were people that actually started the name of the laugh button and uh-huh. it existed solely playing MP3s, probably bootleg MP3s of comics. This is before iTunes. Right. Uh, bootleg MP3s of comics online, like a jukebox almost. It was like a widget basically. Right. And we wanted to start an editorial branch and we got paired up with these guys. And those guys basically existed long enough to name it the laugh button. That's about it, you know. And then we we, we basically we, we basically acquired it, uh, rebranded it, redid all that stuff, and I've been running it ever since. So, I see. Um, but was it and, just and you for a long time? It, it still is. It, from the editorial perspective, it's me and one guy doing a lot of the editorial, and I obviously have a, a pool of freelancers. But no, it, I was running it, and then we also have, like I said, the syndicate is the ownership. So so I am able to tap into the parent company and say, Hey, I need this or, Hey, we need that. But a, a lot of it was, it was a, it was a side hobby, side hustle, not really my main job for many, many years. So, so it wait, was, when it was editorial purely, it was me doing marketing work with the syndicate while running this editorial part of it. That was like kind of under, part of it. And then I was able to kind of do some live events part of it. We were able to grow some stuff. So like it was it wasn't quote unquote my full time job until within the last couple of years, you know. So, when I when I look uh, at the website, when I look at the website, there's a ton of stuff on this laugh button the laugh yeah. button website, right? And then yeah. so there's news, there's podcasts, you can go to all these links, right? And so yeah. the news, you're still writing all that news? No, no. I, I oversee a team of editorial people. We, I have, an, I have a, an editor that I talk to on the reg. I see. And it's just like, hey, here's what's going on here. Are deals. Here's, I mean, here's press releases. Here's leads. Here's interviews we have lined up. And I just kind of help guide him from the editorial perspective because that's that's kind of my background. So it's right. like, okay, here's how you guide that editorial. His name is Andrew. He's a great dude. He does 98% of all the heavy lifting in that world. I Every see. once in a while, I'll throw a story up there that I want to write because I'm, I'm bored and it's 10 <laughs> o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh, let's write a story. Okay. Um, and then while he does that, it allows me time to focus on new podcasts, helping develop podcasts, new record opportunities. When it when we are able to go back into the real world, live events, 
partnerships, all that kind of stuff. And so when when so the Laugh Button made another big move in 2019 with the acquisition of Riotcast, and we acquired Riotcast with a, a an entity called 800 Pound Gorilla down in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically they run a record label down there. We were looking to start a record label. We were also we we had a we had the Laugh Button podcast on Riotcast many moons ago. We did about 125 episodes or so when it was Riotcast with Bobby and, and Rob Sprantz. and then we stopped doing that. Uh, mainly because of uh, staffing. Uh, I, I had lost an editor who was doing a lot of the heavy lifting on the podcast, so we put that on hold. But we never kind of lost that podcasting bug. So we, like, well, we want to start this, and we want to start a record label. And basically, the world, everything kind of lined up where like Rob Sprintz was looking to kind of get out of uh, Riotcast, to start a record label with the 800-pound gorilla guys. They were interested in, in podcasting. So, and Bobby at the same time was looking for, to bring on a new partner with this. So, we kind of between the three of us entities of Robert Kelly, the Laugh Bud, 800-pound gorilla, we kind of were like, oh, let's do this. So, that's kind of how we all kind of came into it. And Robert Kelly still pretty much a, a part of the Laugh Button. He uh, podcast well, Rycast would now the Laugh Button podcast, which is, he doesn't do the day to day because he has his own career and business to, to work on. But he very much is involved with like talent and hey talk to these guys or hey maybe these are people we signed like you know he helps with that but i do the day-to-day uh 800 pound gorilla helps me with a lot of the pod without a lot of the record stuff obviously between what i do and one of the and one of the uh, one of the partners of the syndicate uh named chris ellis he helps me with a lot of like the um let's say administrative part of of uh of entity but on a day-to-day basis I'm the one who's just doing, you know, gotcha. whatever needs to be done. Well, how many people, how many people total would you say in, are involved right now in the laughbutton.com? Uh, in some way, shape or form, there's probably like three or four on like my side, the New York side from the Nashville side. There's probably like, uh, I would say probably another, yeah, four or five. Uh, but I didn't give it, but it's like whatever pieces I need to kind of move around, we, we move around. And then obviously Bobby as well. So there's, uh, yes, that's kind of like the entity right now. And All right. You know, since it's, it's a new, it's a new thing, we're still figuring out a lot of the organization part of it. Right. That's, right. that's basically the structure of it. And so how do you take the, what they built? Obviously Rob Sprantz was a one man band. He had people do yeah. these podcasts. He put it all together himself. It grew too big for him. You guys have it. And now you need to grow this marketing wise. And you know, so you're a marketer marketing expert and this is something i'm always fascinated in because i'm so bad at marketing i'm like i don't even understand like the the amount of work that goes into like probably selling one ad would just kill me dead so it's like how do you here's the big question because neil's been waiting chomping at the bit to ask it how do you make this um monetarily viable for all involved well, and can we get and and also can we get like a couple hundred thousand dollar advance? Or <laughs> you know, I feel I feel like you guys had me on this podcast and specifically hit me up for money. So no, you know. no, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, well, wait, wait. But, Rob Sprantz told us at the beginning if you guys are trying to make money doing a podcast, you're finished. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't think like that. You you can't. Right? Is that still the dynamic? I, I agree. I agree with that to a certain point. I because when Rob started podcasting, it was very much a new thing, and right. it's uh, it's a maturing uh, it's a maturing world right now. Um, and obviously, you know, you hear about these crazy acquisitions like Spotify paying like I don't know. No one even knows the number, but like it's estimated, like it's guessed at a hundred million dollars for Joe Rogan. Right. But you got to realize Joe Rogan is an overnight success, fifteen years in the making. Right. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, he provided he provided a service, a quality, a something people wanted for many, many years before he was able to cash in, and he refined it and adjusted it over the years. So like, podcasting to me, the people that are just like. They're like, oh, I'm a name. I'm going to start a podcast tomorrow, and I'm going to make a million dollars off of this thing. Those people exist. Don't get me wrong, but they're not the they're not people that love podcasting for the art of podcasting. Right. So, like, when I try to find new shows, I want people that love podcasting for the art of podcasting because it's very because this audience is a lean in audience. They 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 don't listen to a show passively like they listen to the radio. They they got to find your show. They got to subscribe to your show. They got to press play on the button every week multiple times, you know, every, every week of repeating. Right. So it's a lean in audience. So my best recommendation I, I make to podcasters is do it because you love it, because you love the art of podcasting, because you love the fact that you can make it build and connect and, and drive a fan base and 
just keep continue to lean on that fan base. You don't need a million downloads. You can you can build your own audience and your own as Adam Carolla would call his pirate ship with like a fraction of that audience because but you gotta love it, you know. And then as far as money coming into it, it's like that comes from the hustle part of it. And that's where I think we can kind of help excel with a lot of podcasting is not only can we help market stuff, but like there are people that need to be dedicated to selling your podcast. It can't be someone who just does it willy nilly. I mean, like those podcasts when they come are great, but most people you need to kind of go out and make pitches. You need to go out and put together a press report, a press sheet or a pitch sheet uh, to say, Hey, you know, brand X, this is why this makes sense. This is the demographics this podcast reaches. This is their average listener retention. This is all those stuff, stuff and stats that like, people don't necessarily want, especially people like you guys who are talent, you're comics. You want to go out there and be funny and make jokes. You don't necessarily want to sit around and make a pitch sheet that just breaks down numbers and stats that, yeah, that's what I always say that like Amy Schumer does a show, they pay her this big chunk. She shows up, she gets paid, she goes home. My day, my day is like, some presses record. She talks for an hour and then she goes home. Yeah. yeah, My day is, you know, booking it, uh, setting up the equipment, originally doing the, some of the marketing, uh, the preparation for our guests, you know, it's, it's a nightmare. I mean, I just want to be heard, just come in, talk for an hour, put on my jacket and go home. You know, it's just, it's hard to get it to that spot. We have so many other things going on. Um, and so the, the marketing end is thanks. Thank God that you at least can, um, take the lead on something like that. Cause the nightmare of that is just huge. Well, one of the first things we started doing is we have this little platform in the laugh button. Thousands of people go to the website on a daily basis to listen to, to read the news, listen, read our interviews, whatever it is. So the first thing I was like, well, what, why don't we take all these shows on the network that, that and, and inject them into the laughbutton.com? The rate, the, and all of a sudden, Discovery is up 10 15% on, on a lot of the shows because of that. Because the way podcasts work, and you guys know this, someone finds your podcast, they, they subscribe to it on whatever their platform of choice is, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, Laughable, Podscribe, whatever it is. You know, There's a million of them out there. Um, and they don't ever go back to the main website. So like, if, it, it'd be great if you had four corners or a four corner, a four, four C podcast, I think .com is what you guys have. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It's great that that exists, but like, that's not driving your discovery. What you need to be where other people are at, or where other people find you at. So, I so I wanted to throw you guys into the discovery engine of the of the laugh button right away, to just because no one was going to ridecast.com to listen to the web to right. listen to your podcasts. Right. Like if someone goes to the laugh button and finds four corners and subscribes to four corners, the job of the laugh button is done from the discovery perspective. The laughbutton.com. Right. Because. I don't expect them to go to laughbutton.com every week and listen to your show on the laugh button. Right. I just want them to find you guys right. on the laugh button. And then they can do whatever they want to do and, and consume it however they want to consume it, whether that be on YouTube or whatever the millions of platforms are out there. Um, so I'm not trying to build the next Netflix. I'm not trying to build the next Luminary. That costs that costs way too much money, way too many people, way too many venture capitalists involved to do that kind of shit. And there's the, the and the, the jury is out of whether a Luminary type of sh- uh, platform is successful. What I want to do is just aid discovery, and we got to make sure you're just where people are. Um, so that's kind of like our full general marketing philosophy towards the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then from the and then from the ad part of it is once we what, once you guys put in that work and we grow those shows, I have a dedicated ad team that you know we just kind of, kind of made this made this migration and, and got people on it. So I'm not pitching your show because I don't have the bandwidth to pitch your show. I need three or four people to pitch your show plus the rest of the network, and that's what we basically did very recently. So that's that's kind of like a behind the scenes thing that like I see it's not fun it's not sexy to talk about but it's what shows need <laughs> to kind of get to that next level you know so um, you know while it's much cooler to talk about funny and, and things it's like okay you my goal is you guys be talent you guys be the show you guys do what you make the best product and then like let my team figure out how to best sell that product exploit it for as for all it's worth potentially financially and you know yeah uh, clout wise got, so, gotcha um How, let me ask that's kind of my whole thing yeah i got oh, two minutes left it's all right more. it's yeah. it's two minutes left. i'll cut you Wait, off on I, got, I got a question though. neil let's hurry talk. up i got two minutes okay let's talk about four corners the movie like, <laughs> <laughs> four i was thinking more of the book but okay oh the book <laughs> yeah the book he's going to add reading to this media thing um um how how competitive is this 
um, is the podcasting world. Just give us a it's, quick one minute. Wait for we got Gas Digital. I know floats around New York City. We got you guys. Yeah. Rycast obviously is gone now, but that was around for a while. And then you had this. Yeah, I've heard about this Cast Network now. So how? Who are these networks? And tell me how competitive it is. It's competitive, but like you gotta, you gotta do. It, it is. It's. It, there's no. It's only get more competitive until someone figures out how to Netflix the whole thing, and they basically take the entire market share. You know, uh, <laughs> it, that's that's really the reality of it. And, and so it is competitive. So like, what I what I tell everyone is you got to run your own race. You know, it's great to see what the other guys doing, what this guy's doing, but like very much like in comedy, if you sit there and do nothing but compare yourself to your peers, you're never going to get anywhere. Right. You got to run your own fucking race. Right. I don't compare you to other shows on the network. You should compare yourself to other shows. Now you should look at those shows and see what they're doing, what you can kind of take and morph and make your own. Mm-hmm. But you got to run your own race. You really do, because otherwise you're just going to run in circles. You got to find what works for you. You got to find, and it's different for everyone. You got to find what platforms work for you. It's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. You got to find what audiences work for you. It's different for everyone. So like. Gas Digital is a great example. Those guys have really tapped into what I call the angry young man fan base, where <laughs> it's like true. that Opie and Anthony, post Opie and Anthony crowd, where it's like, yes. ONA, where did those guys go? Where are like those dudes who are like that edgy kind of comedy? It's yep. great and it works fan fucking fantastic for them. They're doing a great job over there. But is that the race that Four Corners is in? I don't think so. No. What, so, guys, what is Zeit, yeah. Z- real quick, I got 30 seconds. Yeah. What is the Zeitgeist okay. then of the Laugh Button Network as far as when you look at shows? I mean, you kind of inherited a little bit of that from Gas Digital. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. Rob, Robert's show's got a little bit of that, you know? Yeah, um, totally. Absolutely. But, but now, do you look across the board for shows? Like, you need an easy listening show? Do you need a hard rock show? Do you know what I mean? Like, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I look at it. I look at it as what. Uh, what is of interest and what's compelling and who tells good stories. You mentioned Bobby. Bobby has the comic hang show down to a T. Comics sitting in a room, busting each other's chops, making fun of each other. Bobby's got that. We don't need six Bobby Kellys. We have Bobby (laughs) Kelly. You know what I mean? So like... He is the, he's the man when it comes to that. So it's like I don't want to I don't want to imitate Bobby. I want to find the next the comic that hits. Who's the comic that runs through the wall and can nail the comic book genre or right. the, the true crime genre or the news of politics genre or the the touring live genre? So it's like I want I want to find people that are the best at what they do or mm. the best at that field or the best at that the best interviewers or the best whatever it is. So like. I don't need 10 Bobby Kellys. I want to find the original. Excellent. So Neil, so that's kind of like, Neil, what do we do best, Neil? Uh, I think we reached the 80 to 85. <laughs> it's a growing gem. It's just they do die quickly and then your customer acquisition is high and then you don't have them for too long. So your yeah. ROI is low. So, so get us marketing terms for you. You better go out and get Metamucil ads. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. I want to go back to the third corner. We usually take a weird uh, stance. We've, we've okay. got, uh, uh, we, we're going to go. You kind of touched on this in the first corner. I want to go to Comic-Con because you're the guy yeah. it's for the first time in my life. I think we I, I finally nailed it. Did a you guy, ring the bell? I did ring the bell. Heard did you, you heard it? Yeah, you heard it. I heard it. Um, I didn't hear it. Yeah, but you pay attention, Neil. So um, <laughs> the Comic-Con, I want to talk about Comic-Con and the pop culture. That is Comic-Con. Wait, I still had two more questions about the last. I guess I'll just have to do those on the post. Yeah, you have to yeah, do on the can, post. You can do them after the after Write the it down. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine, Neil. You can talk about it. I have, I have, uh, I have all the time in the world for you guys. There you I do go. have a hard out. No, <laughs> <laughs> Comic-Con and pop culture. I love a hard out. Explain me. Explain me. Yeah, he does. Explain me comic-con in general like i didn't even know this existed until really? yeah until i don't know eight ten years ago you know and now it's like it's like a world yeah. phenomenon it happens in every city i thought there was all right i'm gonna i'm gonna just give you the facts that i know you straighten me out okay, okay? okay. i i people get dressed up in outfits they go to hear about new comic book stuff and sort of meet other comic book geeks. And it was in San Diego. That's how it started. And it's been going on for years and years. Little did I know. And now it's grown to every city has one across the world. And they'll have anything from sci-fi to the comic books that you read to DC to Marvel, the, the whole universe. Am I even close to any of it? Yeah, actually, you're pretty good. So 
you're, you're, Comic-Con, you're absolutely right. It started in San Diego many, I want to say 30, 35 years ago, like that long ago. And it was literally a bunch of comic book collectors and traders going into uh, a, just a general room. And I think it started actually in a hotel. It's so like a hotel conference room. Okay. They would set up the boxes and they would sell comic books that people come and buy. It. And that's, that's literally how Comic-Con started. Comic-Con as we know it today your timeline's pretty right. I would try to say 10, 15 years ago, it became big. It became big because Hollywood got involved. Hollywood got involved because they started making these giant fucking movies that made them billions of dollars. Uh. So they were able to add star power to it. So the star power is like, let's get you know Captain America down there and Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. and all that kind of stuff down there. That's where it really kind of boomed and they started panels and became the cultural phenomenon as you know it today. I see. Um, and, and and that's basically how Comic-Con has morphed. And, and, and yes, it now encompasses television, uh, movies, fantasy, sci-fi, you know, it, it, true crime, all that stuff that kind of fits in that audience. Anything that kind of like – anything that can kind of like speak to that Comic-Con fan, which is multi-generational at this point, it, it, it touches on. So well, you're absolutely when, – When was your first trip to San Diego? <laughs> I've actually – funny enough, I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con. I've been to the one in New York many, many times. I've never and been to the first, one in San Diego. Wait, your first trip to Comic-Con New York, you're, you're dressing up or are you just – No, no. Dressing up is something that's called cosplay, which is short for costume play. Right. So, yeah. that's what, so people and, – and people take it really seriously. People yeah. take it just kind of whatever. Like I show up and I might wear a Captain America t-shirt. That's probably about <laughs> as, as advanced as I get. Okay. You know, um, in the room. <laughs> yeah, but but they have competitions and people can win money and they have judges and all this kind of stuff and there's people that are like professional cosplayers. All right, explain that. Explain the explain that whole mentality. Are these people that didn't grow up? Are these people are just is this is their thing? It's like, it's like the similar to a guy wearing his football jersey to the football game. I mean, at this yeah. point, or is it just? In a lot of ways, I would say yes. Like you know, it's it's probably. You know, one end of the spectrum is it's that wearing the football game to the to wearing the football jersey to the game, and and in the the other extreme example might be like you know a furry convention. You know, it's somewhere between those two. Um, you guys know what furries are? No. It's a weird, weird. Okay, well, Google it. It's it's a weird, weird subculture of people that basically <laughs> dress like animals in real life and go have oh, okay. sexual relations with each other. It's fucking weird. <laughs> um, yeah, it's oh, it's dude. Some like since I work in marketing, I've come across very, very weird subcultures. Right? They dress up. The world. They dress up as a as like a squirrel and a. My dude, this this could be an entire <laughs> podcast conversation just about furry. I know just the tip of the iceberg, but yes, in in, in general. But uh, okay. so yeah, so so cosplay is. But it, it's also people who are really into design and fashion, but it's people also into special effects. So, like, it kind of touches on a lot of different people. So maybe you're a special effects wizard and, and you love that type of stuff. So, like, you're more from that type of it. Maybe, like, you just have a super great love for doing it or you just have a great idea or you and your friends do it as, like, a traditional thing. Like, you know, there's a there's a guy out there named D. Pity who dresses up like Deadpool before Deadpool was really known. And he'd go and just do goofy Deadpool things. He organized meetups with all the other Deadpools at Comic-Cons. And they'd go and just be – 20 Deadpools would go and do something goofy, like a, like a flash mob <laughs> of Deadpools doing something goofy. So Now, when you go uh, to Comic-Con, are you just like in heaven? Is this like the greatest day of your life? Or I, no. I mean like I appreciate it from the pop, the pop culture perspective. I'm not one of those guys who like goes uh, – the, the, the nerd push-up of the, the, the glasses on his nose and saying, well, actually, this episode did blah, blah, blah. I'm, I know that stuff. I'm not one of those people. I just think it's cool that, like, this shit exists that didn't really exist when I was a kid. You know? Yeah, so I mean... It's what, cool to see that. What is it about, yeah. like, well, you're going to go down there and you're going to see Fat Batman, right? I mean, what is that yeah, guy's yeah. mentality? Like, I'm dressing up as Batman. I don't care that I'm 750, you know? <laughs> I think the coolest thing about it, though, is like a dad gets to go with his kid and his kid is really excited because he can wear his Iron Man, you know, gauntlet. Oh, dad's going because he wants to see hot Catwoman. That's why dad's going. Or 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 actually or like or like Power Girl or Harley Quinn is the or whatever the hot the hot movie of the time is. Right. Yeah. How many how many Harley Quinns are there? Like like 200 of them? It it depends on when a new Suicide Squad movie comes out. But like but like I played the game with my friends a few times or my coworkers depending on where we're going like. I played a game of like let's go and count the Deadpool's and like you know that that year Deadpool comes out everyone or count the Harley Quinns or count the Power Girls or count the you know the Robes or the you know so there's that it's it's also the equivalent to some people I, I'm sure it's very much the equivalent of like. 
being able to dress slutty for Halloween. Yeah. So it's like the slutty, yeah. the slutty cat outfit or whatever it is. So it's like the one time where people can't judge you. But there's also people who just dress like it because they want to do it. And it's not, it's not saying it's, it's, it's just saying I dressed in this cool costume. And, you know, lately you've seen at Comic-Con these signs that say cosplay is not consent because they don't, they want people to, to realize that because <laughs> someone's dressing in a skimpy or tight outfit doesn't mean that like you can go up there and harass them. You know, like, that, that's not part of it too. Like yeah. that has permeated the culture in, in some ways as well. But like you go, we, my involvement with Comic-Con has really been from a marketing perspective of like our company or the laugh button gets to go and we get to do panels. We've done this panel at Comic-Con the last couple of years in New York uh, called the Superhero Fantasy Draft where we get comics and they basically fantasy football style would draft their version of the Avengers. So like comics get to argue <laughs> about why, you know, why they want Batman on their team versus Superman. And then the crowd gets to like say, that's a terrible choice. That's a great choice, whatever it is. So we've done that the last couple of years we've videotaped it and we've and we've also like you know put that out as a podcast um i want to say i want to say last year greg stone won and we give the winner a, a bat uh, a belt like a wrestling belt they, and a very like obnoxious <laughs> wrestling belt that they can kind of float and walk around with and be like obnoxious about it because it's just kind of fun and goofy you know All right. um let me ask you various yeah. let me ask you various comic stuff sure. you can help me out okay okay back in the day they made two spider-man movies right uh, Andrew Garfield and to- Tobey Maguire. I, was it within yeah. like two years of each other? What was that about? Why? Well, the, the issue I have with Spider-Man in general, as far as Spider-Man movies. And what I, I wait a second. Let me just say this right now. I love the way you frame that. The issue I have with Spider-Man, comma, I've never had that thought in my head. Neil, do you ever have <laughs> any issues with Spider-Man? That's the equivalent of pushing the nose up on the glasses. You know, yeah, saying, I guess well, so. Well, actually, that's, well, actually. Um, yeah, Mike so All the Spider-Man movies are fucking great. They're entertaining. Yes. Gotta love them for yeah. Them. They're big popcorn movies. And yeah. like the fact that Sam Raimi, who directed cult films like Evil Dead, did a Spider-Man trilogy should blow your mind. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Very much like James Gunn, who's done trauma movies, is directed Guardians of the Galaxy, made that super cool. It's like, oh, my God, that's unbelievably cool. You know, so. Right. That these guys who've done these super cult, like you know, movie houses have done this type of stuff. But um, Spider-Man, they, 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 Sony has has held the Spider the Spider-Man license for the for for this entire time of these movies, um, and they've always kind of kept doing the origin story of Spider-Man. Right. You know, like they had, Sam Raimi had to do the origin story for the Amazing Spider-Man's with Andrew Garfunkel. But they had to do the origin story, and like. Spider-Man has done a bajillion, there's a bajillion storyline for Spider-Man because the, the comics existed for what, 50 plus years? Right. So it's like, there's all these different storylines you could do. Why do we keep telling the origin story of Spider-Man? That's what I love so much about the Marvel take on it. Marvel was like, they, there's no origin. It's like, you know who Spider-Man is, let's get to the action. To me, Spider-Man would have been very, very beneficial if they were treated like almost like James Bond. You don't need to tell a James Bond origin story. You know who the fuck James Bond is over the course of 20 movies. Right. Just get into the story. You don't need to tell that he was bitten by a radioactive spider or that, you know, the Uncle Ben with death uh, made him mm-hmm. realize with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> get into it. You know, people yeah, that's, that, that's so that's why I think the amazing Spider-Man Andrew Garfunkel movies didn't do that well and by well i mean didn't make a billion dollars they made like 800 million you know uh, you know they still made a ton of money they just didn't make what they what the sony wanted them to make so i think that one of the issues is sometimes movie theaters movie houses and directors feel like they need to like handhold people that understand there's a vast catalog of this stuff out there yes you need to appeal to new audiences but most people know how spider-man became spider-man right you don't need to t- tell the story even you lenny who doesn't sound like he knows anything about the origin of spider-man you generally know the beats of how spider-man became spider-man yeah, i mean i did watch in the, to me the now, spider-man about, of all guys, like, hold on neil the, to me the spider-man of spider-man is always just going to be the cartoon for when i was a kid yeah. that, with the theme song yeah. and at like yeah. i tell i've told everybody who ever wants to listen and i love watching comic book people's faces just cry i mean to me the only batman the only batman that will ever be is adam west (laughs) okay adam yeah exactly see neil no 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 not all i listen i love adam west i love the campiness of it i love the fact that cesar romero played the joker exactly 
he gave zero fucks about it so much he refused to shave his mustache for the role. <laughs> like he just like literally had like white makeup caked over his mustache. Yeah. It was so fucking funny. It was know? great. And Eartha Kitt's Catwoman is iconic and classic. You know, like yeah. get that. Well, there you go. For me, Toby, Toby McGuire is Spider Man. I'll never have another Spider. <laughs> I, I see. I actually like the morph of Toby. First of all, Toby McGuire. Age age appropriateness is a good thing about the movies too. Yes. The, the new guy that they have. Tom Holland they have for the MCU Spider-Man is actually the right age for Peter Parker. Yes. Toby McGuire is like a 27-year-old guy playing like a high school kid. Right. Like, okay, whatever. Same thing with Andrew Garfield. I thought Andrew Garfield was better at the wisecracking Spider-Man because like, like, he does the wisecracking quippy thing, whereas Toby McGuire is better at Peter Parker. <laughs> so pick the best of Toby McGuire and the best of Andrew Garfield when you have a good Spider-Man. I refuse to analyze Holland, it. I refuse to analyze it like this. Tom Holland has the both. He has the quippiness, uh, man, but also the awkwardness of a teenager. So well, that's now, my do you ever, but don't you ever go like, please, God, don't. I, it's perfect. I don't want to. Like the Godfather, just okay, it's done. I don't, I don't want to see another Godfather. Again. Yeah, some you, of them are. You never get like that where you're like enough no. is enough. Like I no. I, I get enough of this. I get enough of the same stories. Like for example, Batman. The Batman Begins trilogy, the Christopher Nolan trilogy, is is great. You know, in yeah, many ways, it's, that it's, is it's, good. But the new trailer for the new one with Robert Pattinson, the trailer looks fantastic. It looks <laughs> like it, they just released a DC fandom, which came out this weekend. Um, I would recommend go and watch it. Everyone bitched about Robert Pattinson when he got the role. They're like, oh, Christian Bale is the iconic. Batman, and then and then you see the trailer, like oh maybe there is something here because the story is different. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not the origin story that you need. And the people say the same nonsense about Heath Ledger when Heath Ledger was cast as like Joker. All the comic book nerds were like, "How fucking dare you?" Jack Nicholson's the only Joker, and then Heath Ledger <laughs> knocked it out of the park, won a goddamn Academy Award. For right? You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like. So it's like, shut your mouth, watch the movie, have some faith that people give a shit, and it's like, let's do it. Like, uh, yeah, do the, the current Star Wars movies, do to me, are they as good as the old Star Wars movies? No, but those movies are made for 13-year-old kids. I'm a 40-year-old man. Shut up. <laughs> You get to see another lightsaber fight. Shut that, your mouth. That you know is I mean? that <laughs> is part of it. I love the way I, I love your passion. I got to tell you that. Never ever am I going to get that keyed up about about Christian Bale. All I remember from that whole Christopher Nolan thing is just him just going, "I'm Batman." Okay, so now we we found out all about you, and we you have an array of knowledge on a bunch of subjects, and I give you. I'm your in ch- deep trouble. I'm in deep trouble. Yeah, I told Neil he could be in deep trouble. Um, we're going to do it. And Neil, I gave him a fighting chance. I said, uh, um, look, this guy knows a lot about comic books. This guy knows a lot about music. And he go, and then Matt sent me his music collection. I was like, you're finished. But Neil claims to be an eighties music guy. So I admit I'm in D I need a point spread here. I need some kind of, nope. You're going to have to go straight up, Neil. Sorry, buddy. Uh, All right. You call me back. I'll call call you back. back, I'm going to call you right back. All right. (laughs) Bye Bye. All right. All right, Matt. The way we do this is um, this is very okay. simple. It's 15 questions, right? 15, it's an, okay. I don't tell Neil the topic other than 80s music because he cheat. Okay. All right. So here's okay. this should be easy. Neil, I want to say this for I want to preface. Neil's got a chance. I love 80s music, but like there are pockets of music where I know nothing about. So if you hit on one of those pockets, we Neil might have a fighting chance. All right. This is going to be no, I didn't make it too hard. Uh, this is OK. We're going to see how it goes. Well, then again, you never know. I'm going to give you the yeah. album name. All you got to do oh, is geez. give me the band. Okay. Okay. They're not hard. I don't make it like it. I want people to play along at home. I'm not going to make it totally okay. obscure. There are a couple got of it. hard ones, but okay, here we go. Um, so f- starting off, number one, Back in Black. It's ACDC. Yep. Nebraska. George, uh, Bruce Springsteen. I was like, George. I was saying George Springsteen. That was weird. <laughs> Control. Control by New Order? Uh, nope. These are all oh, 80s. Oh, then you're probably talking about the Janet Jackson. Movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. There is a song called Control by New Order. Now, the, I'm Control. giving you the album. Album name. Okay. You okay. Give me okay. The okay. Sorry. All Sorry. right. No problem. Okay. Three for three. Synchronicity. That is the police. <laughs> Against the Wind. That's, uh, that is uh, Bob Seger. Yep. Third Stage. Third Stage. Third Stage. Uh... Oh, wow. I knew I this that. one. Oh, I'm happy to get Sir, you. We'll go back. Um, it's probably one of those things where I'm like, God damn it, I should have known that. All right. Um, Let's keep no, going. No. Number seven, business as usual. Business as usual? Is that EPMD? Nope. 
Um, number eight, the raw. Wait, and... wait, wait, wait. Okay, can I go back? Yeah, I'll let you go back. The the raw okay. and the cooked. Okay. The what? The raw and the cooked. The raw and the cooked. Um, this is eighties music. Is that is that is ah, the raw and the cooked? I want to say that's like a that's like a one hit wonder band like like Fine Young Cannibals or something like that. Yes. Is it? Yes. Oh, oh Good man, job. I pulled that out of my ass. Yeah. <laughs> Emotional rescue. That is the Rolling Stones. Yes. That is a pinnacle Rolling Stones 80s. Yeah. They're very 80s in that. Yeah. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Uh, welcome to the Pleasure Dome. I, I, wanna, I keep wanting to say the, uh, the, the Terror Dome by, by, poli- by uh, Public Enemy, but Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. That's another one I didn't wonder. Is that like um, just Frankie Goes to Hollywood? Yes. Okay. All right. Murmur. I'm pulling these fucking out of my, pulling, fucking out of my <laughs> ass. Uh, Murmur is REM. Yes. Building the perfect beast. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, no idea. Okay. Eliminator. Eliminator ZZ Top? Yes. Yeah. Avalon. Avalon. Oh, my God. I should know this. Um, is that Roxy Music? Yes, it is. Yeah, I remember the artwork cover. It's got the dude with the with the, with the hawk. Yeah, looking like the uh, yeah. looking like like the clips with like a, a cloud. Yeah. Yeah, and and the last album name is So. So is Peter Gabriel. Yes. All right. Pretty good. You want to go back and uh, I'll give you a third stage business as usual or building the perfect beast. Those are your misses. Business as usual is. I keep wanting to say EPMD because all their albums are named after like business, like strictly business, open business. Mm-hmm. But no, is that um, that's uh, fuck, fuck, fuck. That's another one hit wonder. Is that like uh, 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 not Midnight Oil, the other Australian band, Men at Work? Yes. Okay. Oh my god, I'm gonna give that to you. All right, let's go to let's get, <laughs> give Neil some chance. So you got 18 out of 20. Okay. Uh, okay. Right. I, I can, if he I gets can, eighteen out of twenty, my eyeballs will fall out of my head. But what, what, what did I miss? What did I miss? You'll get there. Third stage and building oh, the perfect to... beast. But let me get him building back. The perfect on. beast. Okay. Third stage. I think I, I feel like I know. Like when you tell me third stage, I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> I will tell you. Let's see. Let me see if I can get him back on conference call. Third stage. That's gonna haunt me. I want to look it up. I, I should have sat in front of the computer so my kid's nursery to see this shit. <laughs> to look this up. All right. All right. Let me get him back on. Hold on, let me get let me merge them. All right, you're back on, Neil. Yep. Can you uh, hear me? Yes, Matt. Neil, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. No, Neil. Neil. I know I'm gonna lose. All right, Matt pulled some unbelievable ones by talking himself into them, and I have to be. I have to say, I am impressed. But he, there is room, Neil. He got he got eighteen. Okay, he got eighteen out of twenty. But I don't think they're that hard. And um, <laughs> eighteen out of twenty. Eighteen out of twenty. I'm sorry, right. sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me take that back. There's only 15 questions. I, he I, missed two. I did go, so I did go 13 back. out of 15. I did go back, Neil. I did go back. He did go back, so I'll let you go back. All right, here we go, Neil. All I right. have a little bit of an echo, but I, you don't hear that, right? Like no, here we go. Number one, back in black. ACDC. Yes. Nebraska. Oh, I'm giving you the album. You just have to give me the artist in case you didn't know. Nebraska. Yeah, that's Neil's boy. Okay. Control. What is it? Control. Control, can I pass? Sure. For now. Synchronicity. Please. Against the Wind. Uh, Kansas. (laughs) No, hold on. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get a buzzer. You didn't get a buzzer. We treat treat our guests nice. Third stage. Uh, Which one? Third stage. How do you not know this? Third stage. That's the name of the album. Yeah. Fuck. Oh shit. I don't know. I- Def Leppard. <laughs> I'll let you I guess. go. I'll let you go back. I'll let you go back. <laughs> Bi- business as usual. Oh shit. Business as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll pass. Okay. The raw and the cooked. Oh jeez, you're in like heavy metal. Stuff. No, uh, these are famous bands, man. 
Oh, even worse. You were all in the famous uh, '80s bands. Huge hits. Right. I don't. I don't know that one. All right. We'll come back <laughs> to it. Emotional rescue. Emotional. I know this one, but I can't. I'm. I'm. No, I'm falling not. apart. Wait. Uh, emotional rescue. Uh, it's like the name of the song. Come on. Yeah, I know. I just can't think of who it is. Emotional rescue. You want to go back? Yeah, keep going. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Uh, shit. Uh, oh, shit. I don't. I'm, I'm, welcome to the. Pl- I know these. I just can't think of them. Nice. Murmur. It's all over. Murmur. Yeah, it's over. Murmur. Murmur's Fleetwood Mac. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's rumors. Yeah. Oh, rumors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said rumor. Play that take back. <laughs> Building the perfect beast. This is. I don't. I'm protesting. <laughs> The 80s. This is you called it, Neil. You wanted this quiz. Eliminate. Dire Straits. No. Dire Straits. No, but better. That's no. Eliminator. Eliminator poison. Oh my God! Seriously. That. Riot. (laughs) Avalon. Avalon is foreigner. Brian Ferry. There you go. I've said a lot of good 80s. Foreigner 70s. All right. uh, How about so? So just S O? Yeah, S O. It was a huge and then when I tell you you're yeah, gonna kill huge yourself. Album. Huge album. Huge. What name name a couple songs on that album for me? Uh Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, uh, uh Peter Gabriel. All right, I'll give it yeah. to you because we're nice. Nice. All right, so we can go back. We'll Genesis. go. You're fucked. Genesis. No, no. Genesis. No, right. You had Peter Gabriel, you dummy. He left I Genesis. Said Peter Gabriel. You, you got it. Genesis just for another one. Can you put Genesis no, for another one? No. No. Because it's. <laughs> I could, but not in him, you dummy. All right, let's go down the list. Back, black, back in Black, ACDC. Nebraska. Thank God you got that one, Neil, because I would have been God, really I was upset. so confident the first two. It's like the SAT. It's like the SAT. I got the first two. Yeah. And it was all downhill. All right, control. You're in control Janet uh, Jackson Janet Jackson come on man alright um, synchronicity is the police you both got that one against the wind come on Neil against the wind against, against the wind we're running against the wind yeah Bob Seger who Bob Seger and the silver uh, bullet so band third st- dude, third dude, st- before that Bob Seger the Bob Seger system rambling gambling man that's a fantastic there you, song. Go. you gotta pull that up on your, on your, on your Spotify that one I know yeah I should have got that one third stage I apologize to the Seger family third stage what, is third, what was third stage third yeah, stage yeah. is Boston Ah, God They finally, God, yeah, I should have known that. They finally got to make a third album. They had two successful, and then they had a big problem with the record company, and finally they came out with third stage at the end. Of the one year. of the uh, best side one track ones, Boston. Yeah. The Boston. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was like a trick question. That's, a, that's no, question. no. Business as <laughs> usual. <laughs> Business as usual. Matt kind of figured this one out after a while, but yeah. I did. Matt, you got to admit, you're the you're in charge here. That's a bullshit question. That shouldn't count. Come on, man. That's... What, business as usual or third stage? No, the, the Boston question. Come on. Yeah, you know what? Look, again, if you're a Boston fan. See, Boston to me is always like just buy Boston's greatest hits. It's all you really Damn it! Business as usual, Neil. Yeah. Business as usual. The man from down under. Does that help you, Neil? Men at Work? Men at Work. That was yeah. the album title. Fe- Huge I album. I fell into that one because I thought it was EPMD because all their albums have business in the title. So I thought it was EPMD at first. But then I, was, I, I fell into it. I thought Midnight Oil. And I was like, no, Men at Work. And this one you just have Midnight Oil, I don't think they ever really had a hit. So uh, in the States, at least, I don't know. If. This is now, the... for your music collection, you got all. You, are you collecting <laughs> albums still or no? I, I, I actually have a. Uh, I have probably about as many records as I do CDs. And we're talking oh, in the thousands. Okay. We're talking in the thousands. I don't oh. know if. Uh, Oh, I, don't wow. know if, I don't know if Lenny shared the photo I snapped. My, I didn't. My, my record Neil would have but... been too intimidated if I sent him that photo. <laughs> but for our after the fact. for our marketing, send us a picture, send us a selfie in front of that wall again, and so that we'll use that for the picture on Instagram this week, so okay. I can show I can Neil yeah, sure. how he just got murdered in front of. <laughs> he had no chance. Um, the raw and the cook, Neil is. Uh, she drives me crazy. That was a huge hit. Remember that one. I do remember that one. I, I wanted to say Quiet Riot, but I couldn't get it out. The Fine Young Cannibals. Oh, shit. 
I only know the one song they sing. Well, that's the Kenny. song. I have that album. You do? Yeah. Oh, great. I, I was thinking I was thinking Go West, mm. uh, but I was like, no, I think it's a one-hit wonder. That's how I, I fell into it. Yeah, I, I, I pulled that one out of my ass. Emotional Rescue, you Neil? got that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. I, got, I pulled it out of my ass. I pulled it out of my ass. Neil, oh, my Emotional Rescue, Neil. I just can't think of it. I, right on, it would take it's me the, like an hour before I get this. One. You're going to hate yourself. It's the Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, well I just wasn't thinking of them. Damn it! Welcome they to have a, they don't have an impressive '80s catalog. I yeah. mean, they have '80s songs, but they're very '80s songs. So you can you can forget the '80s Rolling Stones. It's not worth the time <laughs> in general. Welcome in comparison. To, welcome. So I just saw everyone's remaking the uh, on TikTok. They remake the uh, David Bowie Mick Jagger dance thing. <laughs> yeah, dancing in the streets. <laughs> uh, dancing in the streets, and they also was waiting on a friend also with Booth Bowie. Oh yeah, that was friend? a good one. Yeah, 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 that was a good one. Um, welcome to the Pleasure Dome. I don't know who it is. That was Frankie that Goes to Hollywood. Relax. Oh, right. Don't do These it. So easy. So easy. Think. You guys overthink the room. Uh, Murmur yeah. is REM. Yeah. Building the perfect. Well, I, underthink, I underthunk the room. I definitely <laughs> didn't overthink <laughs> <laughs> Building the perfect beast is Don Henley. Ah, Don Henley. He had, yeah, that was a I great album. I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that. I, I was too angry about the Eagles breakup. I would have never gotten that. Uh, Eliminator. <laughs> I, uh, Eliminator was ZZ Tops. Avalon is Brian Ferry and Roxy Music. Actually, it's not Rock. It's not Brian Ferry. So it's, it's Roxy Music. music. I, don't think it, I don't think it's Brian Ferry at the point. That's right. And so is Peter Gabriel. Yeah, Roxy Music. That was the go-to date album. Damn it. Which, yeah. which one's Avalon? Is the Avalon? Yeah. Is the one I, expl- is the one I, uh, is the one I described, Lenny? Or yeah, the one with I think so. In, in the, in the, there's also one of the two women standing in like bikinis in mm. front of like a, 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 a plant or something like I that. Think a, I think that's a – I'm not sure. I think that's a different one. I think it's just him on the cover with the, the cool hair. You know. Yeah, there's the, the the eagle of the the cliffs. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, there's there's also a self-titled good. Roxy music. If I'm not mistaken, I'm I, I'm not a huge Roxy music uh, fanatic or uh, aficionado. So he was better. Than, they was, were better than people think. Um, they they're more successful. You're like, oh, who is that? And then it always ends up Roxy music. Anyway. That was fun. Sorry, Neil. Okay, the way we end the show, Matt, every week, if you as you've heard, is one good thing or one bad thing of the week. You can give us one or both or combine them. Neil, let's start off. One good thing, one bad thing of the week. Well, I I, uh, I don't know if I have a, a bad thing. I think I I have a uh, a good thing. Oh wait, so- I'm sorry, Neil. We didn't end the other segment properly, and oh. the winner is Matt Kleinschmidt. <laughs> There you go. There you go. All right. Go ahead, Neil. What's Thank the good thing or bad thing of the week? You. Go, Neil. I'm clapping. Uh, congratulations, <laughs> Matt. You deserve it. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. <laughs> uh, I, I guess my good thing is I was on fire. You know how I get addicted to my fucking steps on my phone? Yeah. Because I, I bought that the iWatch, and right. it tells me that I'm lazy. I got to get up. Yep. So I set the all-time record of the other day. I got like 30,000 steps, 32,000 steps. How's that for a good thing? Where did you go? In the middle of the pandemic. What? Where were you walking? Everywhere. I just kept walking and walking. But I don't know what good <laughs> that does me, but my phone, my my little my little watch congratulated me and it did like a little fireworks display. It was, it was a special moment that technology was just running me. <laughs> Well, congrats. It's a bad sign. That's all I'm saying. That's right. It, that's your only friend now out there in Pennsylvania. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's sad. Um, uh, my one – oh, go ahead, Matt. One good thing or one bad thing of the week if you have uh, My one good thing of the week is I got to see, I got to see my parents this week. Oh, and cool. I, I, I obviously, I haven't seen them much during the, the pandemic. So I uh, I have a kid who's about to turn one years old uh, uh, in about a month. And congrats. My, my, it's my only – the only grandson my dad has. He has four oh, – I'm sorry – five granddaughters like, wow. this is his first grandson so like he like was always chomping at the bit to see my kid uh so i finally got to, to, to reunite my 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 dad with uh, his grandson this weekend for the first time in a while so i was well, what are you scared to go, why were you scared to go see him because the pandemic well i'm not, i personally am not scared to go out and interact with people especially if we do it safely you get outside you you're whatever it is well, like my parents are older, so I yeah. I, no, I when I visit my yeah, parents, it's yeah. scary. Did you do PPE the whole thing? It's complicated. Yeah. No, what we did is we did it outside. My mom works in healthcare, so she's pretty much on top of like all this kind of stuff, and they've been pretty good about it as far as isolating and whatever. So, um, 
I've seen them during this pandemic. I just don't see them as much as I usually do. And it was my dad's birthday this this weekend, so uh, this past weekend, so it was good. To, it was good to kind of like see that. And my kids at the age now where he kind of like recognizes people, and you know, so it was good. To, it was good for my mom and dad there you to go. see him. So that was probably a good thing. Of the That's weekend. fun. So, okay. Uh, my yeah. good thing and bad thing of the week. I'm going to combine them. Neil will think this is amusing. Um, you know, I'm pitching crazy shows to Netflix now at Leslie. We have a huge meeting this evening. Um, we uh, Plastic Man is probably going to go. Um, there's great. commercials in the works. We just got back from L.A., obviously, Supermarket Sweep. And Neil keeps telling me I'm blowing up, right? That's his big expression. I'm blowing up. And Neil, just so you know, so we think the oven is leaking gas and the guy's coming to fix it tomorrow. So I'm blowing up. You may be literally <laughs> correct. <laughs> oh man, I, I know that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna get like a big deal, and then and I'm literally gonna blow up. But that's the way <laughs> I want to go out, Neil, on, at my funeral, and just say he blew up. I knew it. I knew it was gonna you happen. You should have stayed in the shitty freaking apartment. Yeah, the shitty I'm apartment. All right, um, Matt Kleinschmidt. You can get him on Twitter as at I'm Kleinschmidt. Cool. Yeah, I, I am Kleinschmidt. That's I'm, I'm not on Twitter too much. I'm more on Instagram. What's is like, the yeah, Instagram I, the same? Yeah, I'm Kleinschmidt. I'm Kleinschmidt on both on both of the social handles, and obviously the I follow the laugh button. We're way more active on the laugh button, it's, so you can find the laugh button literally on any social media channel you want at the laugh button. There you go, and follow all those podcasts on thelaughbutton.com, including Matt, Four Corners, including, including Four, four corners. corners, which you can get it at Four C Podcast. And Matt, thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Thanks and, for and spending time with us, Matt. Neil. Do you feel better? Yeah. Do you feel better about our chances in this business? Well, I feel, I mean, the fact that Matt offered the five-year contract before the thing, to, to offer that to the building. I didn't hear I didn't that. About I'm sorry, Matt. I didn't so, hear that. He makes stuff up. I'm sorry, Matt. Five-year contract and $100,000. I thought that's where we're yeah, at. No, they, we're just doing, no, we're doing it for free, but I want a five-year contract. <laughs> that way I got it. Yeah, got don't, it. Neil, and just in case we have to get out and we specifically, <laughs> in case we get too well, busy. Well, hopefully my presence on this podcast will will, will jump the listenerships because people are in high demand to get me on this podcast. Absolutely. So. That's what we, Joe we, Rogan yeah. and Bill Burr ain't got shit on me. Exactly. Thank you. That's what we're counting on. Matt, thanks for being a great boss, and thanks for being a great oh, guest. We appreciate it. Please stop it. calling me your boss, but thank you. All right. But you are. All right. All right. We'll see All everybody right, next week. Thank you. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. Four Corners Podcast was created, hosted, produced, and engineered by me, Lenny Marcus, executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast.